Amen. Uh, before you sit down, we're going to read a scripture together. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 7. Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 7. And as we are reading this passage, uh, may we be reminded of a God who comes in our broken world. A God who comes in a world that's full of pain. A God who comes in a world that's full of suffering. And he brings hope. And he is so committed to, be, to, to provide himself in that world. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. This will be called, they will be called, ox of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you'll be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You'll be, you will feed on the wealth of the nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. This is the word of the Lord. Please go ahead and have a seat. Now, when you read this passage in Isaiah, you're reminded of a God who looks at our world and has kindness towards our world, has compassion towards our world. And this is good news that comes to you. This is good news that comes to all of us. Now, I want to just point out probably seven scenarios from this passage that you might relate to. Maybe they might explain a part of your situation uh, or where you're at, or maybe most of the situation of where you're at, of where you're going through. And I want you to just pay attention and just listen to this in case it relates with you. I don't know your situation, but you might be here this morning and you're just feeling not enough. You're just feeling like, you don't really have what it takes to go through this situation. I don't know whatever situation you're going through that is. But you're just in this moment of like, you know what, I don't think I've got what it takes. I don't feel enough. You could be here this morning and you're just heartbroken. And you're heartbroken uh, maybe because of something difficult that you have just gone through. Or you're heartbroken because uh, of someone else that's close to you that's going through this just heartbreaking situation and that also just breaks your heart. And you could be here feeling like, like, like that this morning. You could be here and you're feeling as if you're bound, as if you're not free because there's this old habit that you cannot shake, this sinful habit that you cannot shake off. Uh, you're not finding freedom in this area. And this is actually bringing a lot of shame to you. And you're like, I don't know if this situation will change. I don't know if I will change. I don't know if there will be any change that I will experience in this situation. 
there could be someone like that here. You could be here maybe just full of grief. You're grieving a loss that you yourself experienced. Or maybe you're grieving a loss someone else close to you experienced. And you're just carrying this grief with you. There could be someone else in here that you're just not finding joy. Or maybe you've lost joy. Even the things that you used to find joy in, you're no longer finding joy in those things. The things that you used to love for some reason for the last couple of days or weeks, you're not finding joy anymore. You've lost it. There could be someone else this morning. Maybe you've lost hope. Uh, you're just in this situation and you're like, I cannot see the light at the end of this. I cannot see how I will live, how life, my life will look like. If ever this thing is going to look different at all. It could be somebody feeling like that. And lastly, you could be here this morning and you're just full of guilt and shame. Maybe because of the mistakes that you made recently or a while back. Maybe, maybe you're experiencing consequences of your mistakes and you're just filled with guilt and shame. Now, we, you don't need to share which scenario appeals to you or where you are, but I feel like we cannot go on without praying for each other. If any of this explains a part of your situation, or maybe most of your situation or most of what you're going through right now, just go ahead and stand. Uh, we just want to pray with you. Just going to pray with you. And you don't need to share what that is. Just go ahead and stand. Now, for those sitting, just look around you. And I want us to just be the church where we can just go to these guys. And we're just going to surround them in God's prayer. They don't need to share whatever it is. We're just going to come alongside them as a church. So, look, if you have to walk across to find someone, just surround them so we can just pray for each other. Don't let them stand alone. Just go to them. Just surround them. And just start to pray. Just start to pray for them. God knows their situation. God knows what they're going through. Just lift them up to God in prayer. Jesus, we come to you this morning. Jesus, we come to you in this moment. You know what your people are going through. And God, I pray for every single person that stood this morning. God, I pray for your power to be on full display in their life. For some of them, they just need grace to wake up again. They just need grace to face this challenge again. They just need grace to move in this again. I pray may you provide that grace for them. For some of them are looking for strength. I pray may you provide strength for them. For some of them are looking for provision. God, I pray that you will provide for them. For some of them, 
are just looking for forgiveness or kindness or grace or patience. May you provide that for them, Lord. For some of them are looking for healing or comfort or for hope or for joy. God, I pray that may you provide yourself to them. May you show up, God, in these situations powerfully and mildly to the glory of Jesus. So we look up to you, our King and Lord, who is fully present with them. And we know they are also fully present with you. Because we are all present to God every single minute. So we honor and we love you. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank God. Thank you guys for sharing your life with us. Thank you guys for inviting us in your situation. And, uh, and I want to just tell you, like, from the, the passage that we have read this morning, actually Isaiah speaks right into your situation. Now, when you're reading this passage of Isaiah 61, more especially verses 1 and 2, you know, it becomes very familiar. You're like, I have heard these words before. Like, when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah, like, I have heard this before. And the reality is because you have. You have heard it before. And most of us actually got exposed to this through the words of Jesus. You know, Jesus, fast forward in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, he actually reads out Isaiah's prophecy. And when you look into Luke chapter 4, verse 18, uh, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what Jesus says. Now he adds some things to it. You know, that probably is like, hey, Isaiah, you left some things. And I need to add that because that's what I've also come to do. And he does that. You know, he says these things. But actually what's interesting is that Jesus does not read all of it. Like he, 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 he like says verses 1 and 2, but then 2 he just reads kind of like the part of it. Because let me remind what Isaiah says, at least in verse 2, Isaiah says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. That's how Isaiah finishes that. But then Jesus, you know, he ends with to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Bas, he ends it there. Like he doesn't go into proclaim vengeance because Jesus is not here to proclaim vengeance. He's actually here to proclaim good news, good news for the oppressor, good news for the oppressed, good news for those that are in bondage, good news for those that are looking for freedom. That's the purpose that Jesus comes in and he's not coming in to proclaim vengeance or destruction. He says, no, no, no. I have got good news that every single person, no matter where they're at, they will experience this to be good news. And Jesus himself is the ultimate deliverer. Jesus himself is the true news, the good news that we need. So he is the good news to the poor. He is the good news to the prisoners, especially those that are bound in sin. And are oppressed with sin. He's the good news to those who are grieving. He's the good news to those who are heartbroken. Those that are filled with shame and guilt. Jesus is the good news. For those that are feeling hopeless. Jesus is the good news. So no matter where you are. No matter where you are. Jesus becomes the good news that you need him to be in your situation. 
No matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, Jesus becomes the good news that you need him to be in your situation. Now, this is the last sermon in the sermon series that we have entitled Loving After Betrayal, where we've been talking about, you know, betrayal and how we can respond to that and how we find God even right in the midst of betrayal. Now, when you're going to experience any sort of pain in your life, one thing that you find about pain is that pain becomes so disorienting. Whenever you experience, let's say, the pain of loss or any sort of pain in your life, pain tends to throw you off balance. It tends to throw you off balance. More especially when you have experienced the pain of betrayal, it's going to become so disorienting to, to you. And no matter whether you are the one who got betrayed or you're the one that betrayed the other person, pain is going to throw you off balance. And a pain can make you doubt. And the suffering can make you doubt. Can make you doubt yourself. Can make you doubt God. Can make you doubt if you're going to get out of this. Okay. Pain can make you doubt. Pain can make you question your faith. Pain can make you question your God. Now, apart from the questions that we say, why me, Lord? Why am I going through all of these painful things? Apart from that question, but I think pain attacks our very identity where we begin to question, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Because pain is going to attack your identity. And when you're in pain, uh, what you need, or when you go through a painful situation, what you need to do is you need to find yourself. You need to find stable ground. You need to find a stable foundation. You need to find a stable foundation. Because when you don't find yourself, you discover that you will start to believe certain lies. Because when you have experienced a painful situation, that pain is going to open up doors. And one of the doors is the doors of lies, where you begin to believe lies about yourself, lies about other people, lies about God. And if you don't find your footing, you're going to believe lies. And also the other thing that pain does is open up, it opens up doors to fear. Fear. How will I be? How will my life look like after this? What if things don't work out? So the fear is going to come in. And if you don't find your footing, if you don't, if you don't have a stable ground, stable foundation, you're going to find yourself being drawn more and more to the fears, which brings up anxiety in your life. Pain is going to bring all these doubts and insecurities in your life. This is why it's very, very important that you should find yourself. You need to go on a journey of discovering who you really are in God. You need to go on that journey. You need to go on a journey of finding yourself. Now, to find yourself, you need to find God. To find yourself, you need to find God. Even better, to find yourself, you need to be found in God. You need to be found in God. And this is very, very important because if you don't find yourself in God, then your pain is going to define you. If you don't find yourself in God, then your shame is going to define you. If you don't find yourself in God, then your guilt is going to define you. If you don't find yourself in God, then anything else that's wrong in your life is going to take charge because pain becomes the loudest voice every time we experience it. And we need to be willing to go to a place where we can find ourselves. We can find ourselves. Because God has a better definition of who you really are. So, if you don't hear anything that I've said today, I wanted you to hear this. Find yourself in God to find the real you. 
Find yourself in God to find the real you. Find yourself in God to find you, to find you. John Kelvin, a theologian who was around in the 1500s, said this statement. He said, the knowledge of God is the knowledge of self, and the knowledge of self is the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is the knowledge of self, and the knowledge of self is the knowledge of God. Just means these things are connected. Whenever we are finding more about God, we are finding more about ourselves. Whenever we go to God, then we begin to discover our true identity in God. And when I say identity, I mean our true wealth, our self-wealth is found in God, in God. Now Isaiah here prophesies, he says, the, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, he has anointed me. Now one thing that we know about Isaiah is that he's not really truly talking about himself, he's talking about the Messiah who is to come. And that's Jesus. And that's why Jesus actually, you know, kind of like says this again in that book of Luke. And for every single person that is going to encounter the Messiah, the anointed one, and trust and believe the anointed one, one thing that they're going to find is that they're going to find that there are things that the Messiah is wanting to give to them. And one of the main things that people find in the anointed one is having their identity well defined. Having their identity well defined. And we find that in this passage, that having an encounter with Jesus, having an encounter with Christ, actually defines our identity. And I just wanted to highlight a few things here. The truth that we find in this passage. Truth number one, your identity is never defined by what you have, but by who you are becoming. Your identity is, not, is never defined by what you have, but by who you are becoming. This one says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Your identity must, must be defined by who you are becoming. Isaiah communicates good news to the poor, to the poor. Now, when you think about the poor, do not only just think about those that don't have food to eat, they don't have money to pay their rentals. No, think of the poor as anyone which often includes you, anyone who feels that they, they, there is a need, there's some sort of lack in their life. Poor means lack. The feeling of, of inadequacy, where you're feeling not enough, where you're feeling like, I don't know if I have what it takes to face this. And if there's one thing that highlights to us that we are not enough or we are poor, is actually pain. Pain begins to highlight that that you probably don't have what it takes. Pain will bring insecurities in your life. It's going to make you question if you've got it. Pain will make you question your abilities. It's going to expose your poverty. It's going to expose your lack. How will I survive without this job? How will I survive without this relationship? How will I survive without this opportunity? How will my life look like because of this mess that I'm going through right now? Pain is going to highlight your insecurities, your inabilities. It's going to expose the poverty in you. But there is good news for the poor, those that feel not enough, those that feel inadequate, those that wonder, do I really have what it takes to fulfill this? Those that hold insecurities and are like, I don't know, maybe one day people find out that I'm not as smart as they think I am. Maybe one day people find out that I'm not as strong as they think I am. 
Maybe one day people find out that I'm not as wise as they think I am. The poor, there's good news for the poor. Now, if you don't pay attention to the good news, something else is going to define your identity. And I think the problem is that most of us, whenever we encounter painful situations, we look within for answers. We look within for the definition of our identity. But if you're going to just only look within and not pay attention to the good news, all you're going to see is the things that you can't do. All you're going to see is your inabilities. If you look within for the affirmation of your identity, all you're going to see is everything else that's not working in your life. You will just only see yourself as poor, as somebody who doesn't have it. But your identity is never determined by what you've got or even what you don't have. We cannot rely on the things that we have or we don't have to define us. We need to pause and pay attention to the good news. Pay attention to the good news that God has for you. Because Jesus has good news for you. He has good news for you, and you need to pay attention to that. Now, when it comes to paying attention to the good news that God has for us, I don't know about you, but I know for me it happens, and for most of us it does happen, that often we fail to reconcile what God is saying with our reality. You know, we see our reality and see what God is saying, and we're like, these are opposites. Like, this is not, this is not really making sense. Are you going to find, for example, in the book of Job, God says, let the Sam rich, you know, let the weak Sam strong. I like, I don't know. I know I hear what you're saying, but actually my reality is different. You know, uh, Paul in, 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 in Corinthians, you know, he, he talks about when I am weak, he is strong because his power is made perfect in my weakness. And you're like, I, I hear you, but actually I cannot reconcile with what God is saying and with my reality. And you can feel like, I don't know if you're really concerned about my situation. What if, what if we talk about what I'm really experiencing? But God has good news for you. God has good news for you. And the good news is directed towards you. And most of us, I think, find it hard to actually trust that good news. But I find that God does not affirm your situation, not because he doesn't care about you, but he knows that your destiny is not really shaped by what you're experiencing right now, but by who you are becoming right now. God knows what's important to you, what's relevant for you, is that your destiny is never shaped by what you're experiencing now, today, in this moment. Your destiny is actually shaped by who you are becoming in God. Is your situation hard? Of course it is hard. Is it painful? Of course it is painful. It, was it unkind? Of course it was unkind. But you know what? God is going to speak more to the truth of who you are becoming in him. To that truth, to that reality. Because you are being shaped by that truth. You are being shaped by that truth. Your destiny is not really shaped but you're experiencing right now, but by who you are becoming right now. Because who you are becoming matters more than what's happening to you. Matters more than what's happening to you. So there is good news, good news for you. And I think most of us believe there's good news, but we don't believe this good news to be for us. Most of us believe that God is good, 
but we don't really truly trust that he can be good to me. He can be good to me. Most of us believe that God can provide, but most of us don't really believe or trust that he can provide for us. He can provide for me. But there is good news, and you have to pay attention to the good news. So embrace the good news, because this good news is to you and is for you. And when you pay attention to the good news, you realize that actually your very identity is found in God. Is found in God. Your identity cannot be built on what you've got or what you don't have or what you're going through. Your identity must be built on what God is making you to become. Now, the truth is that there's good news to the poor. But the good news for the poor is not that they can have lots of money, even though we feel like that's good news. The good news for the poor is not that they will no longer lack anything in their lives. Now, being reminded of this Nigerian song that we, need, we used to sing. So I grew up charismatic, and I would dance to this song. Uh, uh, it's go, it, went, it goes like, I don't know what they call it, like Nigerian English. Uh, it's to say, me no go suffer, me no go beg for bread. I don't know if some of you know this song. But what that means is that I am not going to suffer, I'm not going to beg for bread. That's not true at all. The good news for the poor is not that they're not going to suffer or lack anything, or, or not have any insecurities at all. The good news for the poor is that even in their insecurities, even in their limitations, even in their lack, God has made himself available to them. God has made himself available to them. God has provided himself to them. That's the good news. That's the good news for the poor. It's not that they're going to get all of this stuff. No, 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 no. It's that they're going to get God. The poor will get God. So if you're feeling today like you're not enough, whatever task you're facing, if you're feeling today as though I don't know if I've got it, I don't know if I'll go through this, if you're feeling like that, the good news is that Jesus has made himself available to you. Today, the good news is that you can gain God. So in Christ... We find a God who is available for us. You know, the poor don't only just struggle with the reality that they don't have enough. But I think often the poor struggle with the reality that nobody's coming for them. They feel like nobody's coming for me. And you know what? Jesus says, I have come for you. I am here. I have come for you. I have come for you. And I want to, in Christ. Those who feel insecure, they'll find that they don't need to look for things that will make them feel enough. Jesus is enough for them. In Jesus, those who are like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. They don't need to really rely too much on, on, on the feeling of, but I need to feel like I've got what it takes. They have Jesus, and his, his grace is enough for them. I think often God doesn't want us to appear stronger than we really are or appear as if we have everything that we really are. God just wants us to trust him because when we have Jesus, we have everything. So with our insecurities, let's go to God. With our inadequacies, let's go to God. Our identity is in Christ. Now, your identity can never be achieved. It can only be received. You're going to receive your identity 
in Christ. Now, receiving your identity means that you're moving towards the direction of your identity in Christ. You move more towards the direction of your identity in Christ. What does that mean? Just a couple of things before we close. This means embracing the truth that your identity is never defined by what breaks you, but by who heals you. Your identity is defined by the one who heals you. Verse 1 says, he has sent me to bind out the brokenhearted. To bind out the brokenhearted. Jesus comes in and he heals us. What's breaking you right now? What's breaking you right now? Jesus is so committed to come and make you whole again. To fix you. Actually, even better, to transform your life. To transform your life. Now, some of us are going through painful situations right now. And I think it's okay for you to embrace your painful story. But you should never be defined by that story. It's okay for you to embrace your pain. But even though your pain can explain your situation, it should never, ex- it should never actually define you. Because God has good news for you. And he brings his healing. And you know, when God is actually binding our wounds, he's coming to fix us. That means that God is choosing to get involved in our mess. He chooses to get involved in our mess. And he's good like that. He does, not, he does not reach out to us from afar. He comes close to us. So you need to move towards the direction of your identity. Moving towards the direction of your identity means you are embracing the truth that your identity is never defined by what holds you back, but by the freedom that you find in Christ. The freedom that Jesus gives you. This one again, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Release. Release. That you can get out, release, be free. He proclaims that to you. What's holding you back? Is it a sinful habit that you cannot shake off? What's holding you back? What's holding you back? Jesus offers freedom. Now, just because Jesus offers freedom, it doesn't mean that freedom is automatically received. You have to be willing to receive the freedom. You have to be willing to receive the freedom. Now, when Jesus offers you something, there's a, the other part is that there's a demand for you to let go of whatever you're holding. If you're going to allow to receive something from God, that means you need to, to be willing to surrender something that you've got so that you can make room for what God has for you. So for us to receive freedom, we need to be willing to surrender, to surrender to His Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.17, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And God can give you freedom. Through his spirit. So move towards the direction of your identity. This means that we're never going to be defined by our loss, but by God's presence, even right in our pain. Just want to read you again verse 3. It says, And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. They will be called ox of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God is doing work. Yes, there are things that you have experienced in your life. And he's not saying, hey, stop grieving. But he's saying this will not remain forever. This is not going to remain forever because I'm bringing a crown of beauty. Garment of praise. The oil of joy. 
that you're going to experience. So pay attention to the good news that God has for you. So how do we practice this practically? How do we practice this? The first thing is we need to, we need to embrace the word of God. So that means we need to confess the word of God. You know, for all of us, we listen to ourselves more than we speak to ourselves. We listen to us more than we preach to ourselves. You know, nobody comes in and says, all right, I just want to let you guys know in the next 10 minutes I'm going to have some bad thoughts and I'm going to have some negative thoughts, uh, so just prepare yourselves, you know, and then in 10 minutes bad thoughts come. No, no, that's not what happens. They just happen to us and we listen to ourselves more than we preach to ourselves and I think we need to get into the habit of like looking at God's word, embracing God's word and speaking it. Speak truth. Speak truth to yourself. So confess God's truth. Maybe somebody today needs to confess that they are loved. Where you can say, I am loved by Jesus. Maybe somebody today needs to confess that you are forgiven. I am forgiven by Jesus. Maybe some of you need to confess that you are accepted by God. You are accepted by God. God is concerned about you. So confess God's word. Number two, move towards community. Embrace community because community is very, very important as far as in the definition of your identity is concerned. Now, when you're looking at the scriptures, you see that Christianity is actually meant for community, to believe in a community. Now, John talks about those that have given their life to the Lord, that they've been given the power to be called children of God, to belong to a family, a community. You're going to find words like, we are the body, we are the temple, we are the body of Christ. All of us, we are the light of the world or the sort of the world. All of that is community-oriented words, community-oriented words. So we need to lean more on community, on each other. We are not meant to move alone. In community, your identity is affirmed even more. When you hear the other person say, you know what? You, know, you are loved by Jesus. We forgive you. We want to walk with you. That is a great place for you to be. And lastly, demonstrate your identity in Christ. This means just living it out, living out your identity in Christ. Because the more you're living out towards where God is calling you, then you're going to begin to embrace it and believe it even more and more. You are a child of God who is called to live a life of love. And you encounter a situation that wants to make you bitter. Are you going to respond to identity that you are a child of God who has to show love in this situation? So practice it. Live it out. Maybe you're encountering a situation that you need to show kindness. Are you going to choose to move more towards the direction of your identity? A child of God who is kind. A child of God who is gracious, who is merciful, who is compassionate. Are you willing to live like that? To find yourself, you need to find God. And better enough, what we know is that all of us are found actually by God. You know, Isaiah was talking about the future. About the Messiah who is coming in the future. But you and I have the privilege that we don't have to look to the future. We know the Messiah already came. We know the anointed one already came. And he's here for us. And he keeps searching. He keeps searching for you. He never stops. He never stops looking for you. The Messiah is here. So you could be here this morning, maybe lost in your pain or in doubt. Hopelessness on despair. Jesus has good news for you. In fact, Jesus himself 
is the good news for you. Just close your eyes for a moment. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord, of, of God's favor. For some of you, you don't even need to wait. Maybe it's not even a year of God's favor. It's a moment of God's favor. Right now. God's favor just means God's grace. A free gift that you can receive without working for it. A free gift that God offers to you right in this moment. Now, if you're here and you're sure you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're not sure if you do have a relationship with Jesus, or what I'm talking about is meaningless to you, because the identity that we find in Jesus can only be received and not achieved. Now, if you know there is a disconnect between you and Jesus, there's a disconnect between you and God, and you are like, you know what, I want to have this relationship with Jesus. I want you to just take a moment and just pray this simple prayer. To just say, Lord Jesus, I accept you into my life. Lord Jesus, I accept you into my life. Lord Jesus, change my life. Help me to live for you. Lord Jesus, I accept you into my life. Just pray that simple prayer today now for everyone else you know what's happening in your life but I think there is a call for you where you can just offer a prayer to God to say God help me to see me the way you see me Lord Jesus help me to see me the way you see me maybe for somebody else your prayer could be Lord help me to feel loved the way you love me Help me to feel accepted the way you accept me. Help me to feel forgiven the way you have forgiven me. Maybe that's a prayer for you. Just take a moment to pray for yourself around those prayers. Just pray for yourself.